Hello and welcome everybody to the Bring the Sting podcast. I am your host, Evan Birchmore. On today's episode, guys, week five recap for your Charlotte Hornets. That's right, week five recap as the Hornets go two and one on the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Episode 14 of the Bring the Sting podcast. Guys, let's go ahead and dive on in. All right, so as I mentioned, guys, two and one on the week. Just to run through results really, really quick. Uh, Wednesday night, you get a win over the Washington Wizards, the number one seed in the East Washington Wizards, I might add. 97-87, to 87, really, really good defensive performance on Wednesday night. Friday night, you get a win against Indiana here in Charlotte, 121-118. We'll dive into it in just a minute, but the end of that game was absurd. It was crazy. It was bizarre. It shouldn't have taken you know that much to pull out the win, but you get it. Then Saturday night, you do take an L in Atlanta against the Hawks, guys. It snaps a five-game winning streak. You lose 105 to 115 to the Atlanta Hawks, guys. So to go ahead and just kind of move through these games individually, right? I like to do that. And then I get into some sort of general, you know, overall takeaways. But just moving through the games in particular, guys, and kind of one key takeaway from each game, kind of the, the stat that defined the game, if you will, you know, and not to say that you can get the entire story of a game just by looking at a box score. But I think and an exercise that I like to try to do sometimes is games that I don't watch because uh, I watch every Hornets game, but, you know, games, other teams or even college games, you know, look at the box score and see if you can find what the difference in the game was. Like you look at the result and then you look, okay, well, was it turnovers? Was it, you know, shooting? Was it, you know, what, what points in the paint? What was kind of that difference maker in the game, if you will. So kind of did that for this week, guys. So that Washington game, you just locked in defensively. That was by far your best defensive performance of the season, guys, a team with a lot of firepower, you know, Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma's playing very well. Bradley Beal is playing very well. Obviously, we know what Bradley Beal brings to the table for the Wizards, guys, but you hold them on the night. 37% from the field, 19% from three. Again, 37% from the field, 19% from three for the Wizards in that game on Wednesday night, guys. Terrific defensive performance by Charlotte. And I was watching that game, and, like, you just look up, and you're almost kind of taken aback. You have to do, like, a double take almost. Like, wow, okay, we've only given up, you know, that many points heading to the fourth quarter. You know, they finished with 87 in the game. And, and typically that's not the kind of a game that Charlotte can win. So I tweeted this out after that game. Like, that is a big step where good teams can win in multiple ways. Like, even if you're off your game, even if the pace of the game or the flow of the game is not being dictated the way you would like it to be, you can still find a way to win. And I think where Charlotte struggled earlier this year, last year, was they had to win one way. They couldn't win with defense. They just had to pretty, pretty much outscore people. And so it's really important that you can show that you can win games with your defense. That's exactly what you do on Wednesday night. You pick up the win against Washington. Really, really good win over the Wizards. Now, Friday night against Indiana, guys, I mentioned this. And for those of you who watched, you'll know what I'm about to say. That game should not have come down to what it came down to. You led you know, pretty much wire to wire. You know, you let it the half. You had a comfortable margin. Indiana just kind of, kind of whittles away, and it wasn't even their starters who did that. It was like bench guys. And 17 turnovers for the Hornets really allowed Indiana to stay in that game. Some careless basketball toward the end of the game where Indiana, you know, thankfully didn't even get a shot off there at the end of regulation to try to tie it up. But you left the door wide open for them to walk through, and they just didn't do it. So, that game ended not a second too soon for the Hornets. I am sure Coach Borrego is not too pleased with the way that game 
you know, finished you know, anytime that you win a game, you know, you never want to take that for granted. Like everyone matters. Right. And I, I think we all know that, but it, you want to finish strong and like you played a really solid game up until the very end. And so it does kind of leave a sour taste in your mouth. Like, uh, we, we did so poorly, you know, down the stretch of this game, right. You never want to finish and feel like you just kind of had to outlast the team who came back in that way, but you do get the win. So again, you don't want to take that for granted. Like you're, you're very, you know, excited and pleased that you get the win. So there's things to build off of in that regard, but the carelessness, the turnovers, the sloppiness, like that just has to get figured out. That is the primary thing in basketball is that you just must take care of the ball. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, just kind of cleaning that up as you go on, that's something to just keep an eye on, you know, overall. So it ties into an overall point, but then again, Saturday night, you get the L in Atlanta guys, really kind of a, I hate to say you would see this one coming, but the way it fell on the schedule, right? You're coming off. It's the second half of a back-to-back. You had to travel. You played at home the night before. Atlanta had been off for a few days in a row at that point. Uh, so it was really just kind of you're at a disadvantage, one of those rest disadvantage games, if you will, where you're facing a rested Atlanta Hawks squad. You played the night before in Charlotte. You had to get down there to Atlanta for the game. And it kind of showed up like that. And for a long stretch of the game, guys, free throw disparity was a big talking point where Look, we all know Trey Young, the way he plays the game. He, I'm going to put it kindly, he accentuates things on the offensive end to his benefit, right? I know they've cracked down on that a lot this year. James Harden has kind of been the poster child for that. Trey Young is, you know, if James Harden is poster child 1A, then Trey Young is, is, is 1B, guys. Like, I'm not, you know, saying anything that we aren't aware of. And so really, and I tweeted this out, at halftime of that game, guys, Charlotte had shot two free throws. Trey Young had shot five by himself, so he had more than double what your entire team had. Now, that is not all on officiating. Some of that is on just you can't just shoot threes. Like, you have to attack the basket and force the refs to call something and get to the foul line. So it's not only, you know, well, you know, this is rigged and it's home home referees and whatnot. You know, you kind of have to force their hand at a certain point as well. But the free throw disparity was definitely on display there Saturday night, guys. And really just not a good shooting performance from the Hornets. You shoot 42% from the field, you shoot 25% from three, and you shoot 60% from the foul line. So when you did get there, you didn't exactly capitalize on your opportunities. So really just not a good shooting night. The one uh, bright spot for you, Miles Bridges. Hats off, Miles Bridges. Career high, 35-point performance from him. So he showed up to play, guys. Really kind of carried the team Saturday night there in Atlanta. But again, tough loss. Breaks the five-game winning streak. I hate to say that you almost saw it coming, but like we know that you weren't going to win. You know, you weren't just going to run through the rest of the season and not ever lose again. Like you were going to lose at some point. So it's about how you respond, right? And kind of a bigger point that I want to make before we go any further is that, you know, I'm of the belief that things are never as bad as they seem and things are also never as good as they seem generally the truth is kind of there in the middle somewhere. So when Charlotte went on their losing streak and lost several games in a row, I sat on here and I told you guys, look, this team is not that bad. This team will win a game again. It's not time to panic. It's not time to fire anybody. Just keep perspective. Now, when you run all five wins in a row, it's the same case. This team isn't going to win every game for the rest of the season. This team, you know, 
you just have to keep perspective. They're probably not as good as that showed, and they're not as bad as a five-game losing streak showed. The truth is they're in the middle somewhere, so it's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. So just kind of remaining level-headed about that and maintaining a good perspective, I think, is really important, You know, especially as fans. We we tend to overreact, right? Like fan is short for fanatic. So it's kind of in our nature as fans to overreact. And not to say that you shouldn't get excited about your team, or anything like that, but just kind of keeping perspective, right? Not being, you know, bitter or upset or angry when when one game doesn't go your way. But segueing into some kind of general takeaways and overall trends, guys, a big statistical kind of a bird's eye view, if you will, of the Hornets, where things stand now, guys. I actually blew my mind. I was looking today, guys. The season is already almost a quarter of the way complete. So Charlotte's played 18 games, obviously 82 game schedule. So almost a quarter of the way through the season, guys, getting getting close. Uh, but uh, j- just some kind of overall statistical takeaways for this team. And I know, guys, the defense has been a talking point, right, where, look, this just isn't a good defensive team. You can't automatically just flip a switch and become a good defensive team without, like, the personnel is what it is, right? So you can definitely strategize and have better effort. And You know, they play a lot of zone defense, Charlotte does, to kind of make up for some deficiencies. The center spot, we all know, is a weakness. Uh, But just some team defensive statistics to throw to you guys. Guys, 28th in points in the paint allowed. Charlotte's giving up 48.3 points in the paint. So, again, that's 28th in the league. So, not good. Uh, 28th also in second chance points per game. Almost 15 per game. 14.7 to be exact. Again, not good. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and make this a, you know, uh, trade Mason Plumley episode, a trade for Miles Turner episode. I'm not going to do that, but guys, like the stats just are what they are, and they, and they bear they bear out what, what reality is for this team. Now, defensive rating has actually improved as of late. You are 23rd in defensive rating, so again, 110.1 as a team, you know, sort of a cumulative defensive rating, if you will, for the Hornets. So 23rd in the league. So again, that's not great. That's better than 28th. It's better than where you were. Uh, but again, room for improvement. How much of that can be improved by strategy, by sort of just hustle on defense? You know, certainly I think you can improve, but you're not going to just make some astronomical leap with the current personnel. Like at the end of the day, you kind of are what you are. And I think Charlotte, for its deficiencies, does a good job of understanding what it is and playing into that especially with their strategies, with the rotations. So you do have to give them credit for that and give Borrego credit for that. Now, one thing that does kind of catch your eye as far as the team defensive statistics go, there is one stat that Charlotte is, you know, I would say borderline elite in, and that is steals, guys. Charlotte is sixth in the NBA in steals. They have 9.1 steals per game. So the perimeter defense, if you will, I think is actually pretty solid. You know, definitely has has its nights where it's not the best. But LaMelo, we all know, is really good at stealing the ball. Some of that is a result of playing off and kind of, you know, sagging off and sort of baiting guys into bad passes. And, and you know, so is that good? Is that not good? You know, that, that can be debated. But LaMelo is averaging two steals a game, which is really, really good, guys. And again, ninth in steals per game. So they are disruptive, if nothing else, which you have to be when your uh, interior defense, pardon me, when your interior defense is as bad as Charlotte's is, your perimeter defense needs to somewhat help mitigate that. And so that is, you know, a positive to kind of hang your hat on on the defensive end for the Hornets. Now on the offensive side of the ball, guys, team offense, offensive rating, you are ninth in the NBA. Your point differential overall, though, 
kind of jumps off, and I, I want to dive into this one a little bit more. But again, you have the ninth best offensive rating in the NBA, 109.1. Your overall point differential on the season. So points scored, points against. Minus 24. So on a per-game basis, again, minus 24. You've played 18 games. So on a per-game basis, you are being outscored by 1.3 points. But again, I went back through the entire schedule to this point, guys. And to just kind of dive into that, you really have not had a blowout one way or the other with one exception, that being that game at Sacramento against the Kings, guys, you lost by 30. So not to say that that shouldn't matter, that doesn't count. But if you remove that, you have a positive point differential. So that kind of throws it off where you have a winning record. You know, you're in a good position as far as the standings go, but you have a you know, a below average point differential. That Sacramento game is really kind of dragging that down and and kind of as a statistical outlier, skewing the data, just something to keep in perspective, right? Like this team, I don't think is as bad as that point differential shows. They just had a really, really bad night in Sacramento who just fired their coach today, Luke Walton. So with that being said, guys, just some perspective on the defensive end and on the offensive end. So some power rankings, guys, that I found online. There's a website called Power Rankings Guru. And what they did to dive on into their strategy, it's based on composite power rankings. So essentially what they're doing is pulling power rankings from all across the web, aggregating them into one place, and averaging those out. So kind of the result of what they did was they ranked the difficulty of schedules up into this point. So based on, again, their methodology, which is just pretty much averaging out all everyone else's power rankings, Charlotte has played the 10th most difficult schedule in the NBA so far. And for the rest of the season, Charlotte will have the 13th most difficult schedule. So a few takeaways on that, guys. One, it's been a tough schedule so far. We know that. Uh, this doesn't really take into effect, you know, rest or where the games lie on the schedule more so than it does just the power rankings, right? So that's another thing that gets taken into effect. Like where I mentioned the Saturday game at Atlanta, you could kind of see it coming where, you know, second night of a back-to-back, Andy traveled and Atlanta was fresh. If you look at power rankings, well, a lot of them have Atlanta significantly above Charlotte. I doubt it. They probably have Atlanta beneath Charlotte because their record isn't as good. But when you don't factor in the schedule and the rest and the travel, you know, some things can kind of get lost in those statistics, if you will. But again, Charlotte, the 10th most difficult schedule so far, 13th most difficult for the rest of the season, guys. And some things that I dove on in again, where I think maybe those difficulties of schedule are being based on is like in your own division in the Southeast division, you play Atlanta and you play Miami a lot, right? Atlanta is in those, in those composite rankings is 11th and Miami is second. Now Atlanta, I do expect to improve. Like, I don't think they're as bad as their record shows right now. And Miami, I do believe is a solid team, but second and 11th, you know, second for the heat and 11th for the Hawks. I'm not sure I'd go that high. So again, just Kind of some perspective on what I'm telling you guys. But again, Power Rankings Guru is where I found that. And that is just kind of showing you, like, it's not been an easy schedule so far, and you still have a winning record. So, you know, and it is professional basketball. Like, you never want to say there's easy games. You don't want to take any games for granted. Like, you know, you can't just show up and expect to win. You have to still perform to the best of your abilities. But it is important to keep some things in perspective where, okay, you know, this is where we are relative to other teams. This is kind of, a barometer of progress, if you will. And one more thing, guys, I want to dive into something really, really interesting I found on Twitter, actually, net rating by quarter. So essentially net rating, right? That is pretty much just kind of the the sum of points per possessions and then less your points surrendered per possession, right? So offensive rating, defensive rating, and it kind of just averages that out. That is your net rating. 
So net rating by quarter then obviously dives into, okay, well, do you start games well? Do you finish games well? Well, as you can guess, if you watched any Hornets basketball at all this year, they do not particularly start games very well. And actually, Charlotte has the second worst net rating by quarter for the first quarter in the league, guys, minus 15.4. But they do improve throughout the game. So in the second quarter, they're minus 5.4. In the third quarter, guys, they're third highest, plus 13.5. Then in the fourth quarter, they're plus 6.5. So again, we think back to these games, you know, especially on that West Coast road trip where it was, you know, you get into a big hole early, you fight really hard, you make a big comeback in the second half. And maybe you come up just a little bit short and you're like, well, darn, if we just hadn't gotten down by 20 points in the first quarter, we could have won this game. Well, guys, the net rating kind of bears that out where there is room for improvement. You're not a very good first quarter team. You're an excellent third quarter team. Uh, But, you know, again, just kind of you hope to sort of not have those big variances, those wild swings where you're down by 20 points and then you go on a big run. But you. You know, you just don't want to really be playing with fire in that way because a lot of times time runs out, right? You can't just rely on huge, massive comebacks every night. That, that's not really a sustainable strategy over an 82-game season, guys. But that's just kind of some perspective on, again, net rating by quarter, kind of your, your weakness being the first quarter, your strength being the third quarter, and, and the stats bear that out. Now, again, th- that stat is through November the 20th, so Saturday night is what it's, you know, updated through. So obviously those things are fluid. You know, the statistics change, obviously, as games occur. But that is where you stand right now. So you definitely have room for improvement in that regard, guys. All right, so going to go ahead and dive on in, guys, as we've been doing for a few weeks now, the Bring the Sting Podcast Player of the Week. And as I've mentioned on the show, guys, that award does not necessarily go to the guy who just, you know, scored the most points for the week or the guy who took the most shots or made the most highlights or whatever. It's just kind of something that I want to do to highlight, like, who made plays that really impacted the team in a significant way. Like, I gave it to Terry Rozier last week, just winning the jump ball against Draymond Green really stuck in my mind. I've given it to Cody Martin, you know, for his hustle and effort on the defensive end, really setting an example, becoming a really a valuable rotation piece this year, which not a whole lot of people could have predicted. But this week, guys, I will give it to a guy who did set his career high in points just last night down in Atlanta, guys. Of course, I'm talking about Miles Bridges, 35 points, 10 rebounds on the night against the Hawks. And guys, just his improvement from last year to this year just blows me away. Now, I remember sitting here just not that long ago, just a few short weeks ago before the season tip, doing our Power Forward preview episode and tossing that out to you as listeners as a question. Who should start at the four? P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. Well, in a way, that's an unfair question right now because PJ, obviously, as we know, is hurt. But Miles has just taken that job and run with it, guys. And, and you know, you couldn't say with a straight face to bring him off the bench now. So he is by far your most improved player this year. He's leading you in points per game, 21.6 points per game on the season, guys. 7.6 boards, 3.4 assists. He's averaging almost a steal and a half per game, guys. Above average PER. PER is right there at 19. So that's above average, guys. So really, really, really... Just solid start to the season for Miles Bridges. A really solid week for Miles Bridges. Obviously, he came to play last night in a losing effort, unfortunately, but 35 points, 10 rebounds. So Miles Bridges is this week's Bring the Sting Podcast Player of the Week. All right, guys, going to go ahead and dive on into the schedule for this week, guys. You got four games on the schedule this week for the Hornets tomorrow night at Washington, taking on the Wizards. Wednesday, you're in Orlando, taking on the Magic. Friday night, you're home for the Timberwolves. And then Saturday night in Houston against the Houston Rockets, guys. So definitely some winnable games coming up this week, I would say, at Washington. 
to me appears to be the most difficult one. Obviously a good team. You're in their place. You just played them last week at Orlando. You've already won in Orlando once already this year. So, you know, why not go and make it to Timberwolves coming to your place again? I feel like Minnesota always every season I look at them and I say they have talent on the roster, but it just never seems to really all come together. Really, the only exception was the Jimmy Butler season. And so really, I'm just not sure kind of who the alpha is on that team, but should be an exciting matchup. You obviously have the uh, kind of rookie of the year race from last year. That storyline coming in with Anthony Edwards off to a great start this season. Coming in, LaMelo, obviously, and the Hornets taking them on. And then Saturday, you're at Houston, guys. Houston, just call it for what it is, just not a very good team. You know, currently they're sitting just at there at the bottom of the Western Conference, 1-15 in 15 on the year. So you should win that one. Again, I mentioned earlier, you never want to say that there's just like any easy games in professional basketball. But if there ever was one to call an easy game, that's the one, guys. At Houston on Saturday, you should get the dub. I'm going to leave it at that. And we'll recap that next week, obviously. But expecting, you know, pick up some wins this week, make some headway, keep that momentum going, right? Just because you lost to Atlanta does not mean the momentum from the five-game winning streak has to stop. Just because the streak stopped does not mean the momentum also has to stop, guys. So hopefully keeping that up this week and excited to kind of dive on into that next week on next week's episode of the podcast. All right, guys, so that will do it for this week's episode of the Bring the Sing podcast, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. As I mentioned on the show every week, be sure to follow us online on social media at Twitter. It's at underscore Bring the Sting on Instagram. We're at Bring the Sting, guys. Content coming out daily on those channels. Be sure to follow us there. Be sure to keep it fresh, keep it updated, live uh, content coming out, coming out. And I always ask on those channels, right, what do you guys want to see as listeners, right? Because as I mentioned on the show, look, the slogan for the Bring This Thing podcast is by fans for fans. So I'm the guy behind the microphone. I'm the guy, you know, producing the episodes. But you as fans of the Hornets help make this show go. You have to have listeners to have a podcast, obviously. And I never want you to feel out of touch with me as the one who produces the content. So if there's ever anything that you want to see more of, if there's recommendations, reviews that you want to make, whatever it is, be sure to send those to me. Like any feedback is good feedback. I mean that I'm being honest when I say that. And I really just, just love and appreciate all the support that we get. Every single person out there who, who streams, who listens to the show, who follows on Instagram, who follows on Twitter. It just means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you so much for that support guys. But again, that will do it. For episode 14, week five recap, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Let's have a great week. Let's go Hornets. We'll catch you next time.